Welcome to the Dork Forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the Dork Forest and dork down for a while. Hello and welcome to the Dork Forest. Let's try to knock this intro out in less than four freaking minutes. I'm Jackie Cation, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. Those are the websites. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg sang and composed the song you just heard. He'll sing again his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Sarah Cohen sings with him. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Vilmos does my website, JackieCation.com. There are many ways to support the show. Basic one, PayPal button. You click on it, you send me some money. Good for you. There's also, you can Venmo me at Jackie at JackieCation.com. You can use the Amazon banner. There's a link on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com that sends you to Amazon. You just order like normal. Doesn't cost you extra. It's just a way to support the show. Another way is to get merch. JackieCation.com has a merch page. A lot of Dork Forest stuff, a lot of stand-up comedy stuff. Also on the website, Stand-Up Comedy Calendar tells you where I'm going to be. This week I'm going to be back in Phoenix at the Bird Comedy Festival. That's right. Phoenix, Arizona, 29th through, I believe, the 31st of March, doing stand-up comedy. Go to the Phoenix Bird Festival in Phoenix and come and see me do comedy. There's premium episodes. The premium episodes are at thedorkforest.bandcamp.com, and they cost two bucks a pop. The YouTube page is hopping. There's a YouTube page that has essentially the teaser clips and the full episodes now. And if you can't get iTunes or whatever at work, you can listen to the show in the background on YouTube. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my stateroom on the Joko Cruise, you guys. Again. And yet, and this fellow performer, uh, Greg Benson, welcome to the program at the Dork Force. Oh, thank you very much. It is a pleasure to and be here. It will be a delight uh, for us to discuss. We were going to discuss James Taylor. We may get to him. But what I liked is you were like, horrible movies I love. Yeah, I am obsessed with really bad movies. So people should know, Greg Benson uh, has a, a, a YouTube essentially channel not even essentially it's actually it is a youtube channel it's called a youtube channel you guys i might not be super young i may not be like like having a conversation with my grandma (laughs) i oh this will not be the first time you think that in the next hour greg benson uh so you can go to at mediocre films by the way which is the twitter and uh, uh facebook uh, pages for it, but the YouTube page is youtube.com slash mediocre films. That is correct. And they are humorous films done by yourself. I certainly hope so. There we go. That is the, that is the, that's the goal. They are humorous films. I certainly hope they are done by myself. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. It's a, it's, this is not a lateral move. All being done by Greg Benson, you guys. <laughs> so what, cause I think everybody, you have some favorites. In the, is there a favorite horrible genre? No, it's just, if, to me, a really bad movie is a winner. And, and what makes a really bad movie funny is if, it, is if they attempt for it to be a serious movie. Something so, earnestly yeah. trying to be, oh, that's right. Yeah, so it really, it, it can't, usually it can't be a comedy. Like, I don't, I'm not really, I haven't even seen Sharknado. I'm not interested in something that's intentionally campy. Right. Uh, although I will eventually see Sharknado because you right. have to, and, and they've made like sixteen of them so far. Well, and and it's not that you don't enjoy good movies. Oh, I do love good movies. And it's not that you don't enjoy uh, 
movies that are ironically like know that they're bad? Do you are there movies that you're like, oh, I see what you've done there, and I am enjoying this. Yeah, but 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 really, so like much. Animal House. Oh well, Animal House. Uh, Animal House, I love. I think it's a classic comedy. Like I, I I have no issues at all with Animal House. Now, Caddyshack is another classic comedy that I adore, mm-hmm. but it's a terrible movie in its own way. Just from a filmmaking standpoint, it's a very sloppy movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's hilarious, and I put it right up there with Animal House as one of the best comedies of all time. All right. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Good to know. But then again, I'm a child of the 70s, so I love 70s and 80s movies. Right. My uh, One of my older brothers uh, thinks that Animal House is uh, some sort of tour de force of comedy. I, and, I, I would uh, agree. Right. But I think that uh, you and my brother uh, might be the same guy. Oh, yeah. So uh, the, uh, for me, it... It's one of those movies that was not made for me. It was made for the 14 to 34 year old demographic dude bro. Yeah. In 1977. So if you were 14 in 1977 or 34 or somewhere in that age bracket, which is what my brother was, um, you're psyched. This but is the greatest. To, to also to kind of back away just a little bit and give give Animal House its its due and its its respect. You know, it really began a genre. There really was not the co- the wacky college comedy uh, before Animal House. It really started its own thing. And not only that, but when you watch, maybe it's the Star Wars of could be of wacky comedies. When you watch. Animal House now, and it's funny that we're talking about that when we start off saying, we're going to talk about bad movies. But this it is not bad. it. This no, is it not a bad, bad movie. Yes. This is a good movie. And, and even the music. The music is by Elmer Bernstein. It's got this classic, um, amazing score. Elmer Bernstein is one of... I want him to have a, uh, the Bernstein Bears. Who's Elmer Bernstein? Is he a famous composer? He is. He, he did a lot of... A lot of uh, Remember you're talking now, to your great aunt. Now, by the way, I just want to say... Yes. I'm 99% sure that Elmer Bernstein did the score. <laughs> but we're on a cruise we're ship. We're in a boat. I, I can't do... We have no Wi-Fi. Or well, there's I can't no Wi-Fi. Do, I can't do any research here. So right. I'm probably going to get a lot of... You could get Jackie at Jackie Cation. Please address me. Just go go deep. Go several paragraphs into who Elmer Bernstein is. Todd, hook me up. I look forward to to all the complaints that come in about all the facts that I got wrong. Rangers don't complain. What they do is they let me know that there's an error that has been made. Yeah. And uh, God bless them for it because I am actually interested (laughs) if there's an error that I'm like, oh, good to know. I may not remember what that error was or what it all means but uh it is good to know for the for that shining moment when i've been alerted it sounds much more constructive than youtube comments which really just oh. uh tell you to fuck off and die am i allowed to curse can i say fuck off on this on you could say fuck off and die on this wait okay yes i say yes <laughs> uh but here's my thing greg yeah. benson so all of your videos on mediocre films the comments are turned on Yes, they they are, but YouTube has a wonderful feature that I recommend to anyone who makes YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. and that is that you can go right into those community settings, and you can list a bunch of words that you want automatically banned from the comments. So if you don't want to see the N-word, and if you don't want to see the word Trump, or if anything that you pick... Or the word cunt. Anything, yes. uh, Yes. You just just list them all with a comma in between them, and those comments will not appear. Excellent. They will just not appear. Community settings. You can even do phrases. Is that under advanced? It's 
Yeah, it's just under, I don't know. Just look around. Yeah, look around. You know what, I bet you there's a YouTube tutorial of how to use the community settings on YouTube. It's pretty self-explanatory, as long as you can find it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You just, and and, and my list of words continues to get larger and larger, you know, every month. Right, because some people are tricksy with their their grumpiness. They're also tricksy with their spelling. Oh. (laughs) They might spell the, the, the N word with one G, and you're like, well, now I have to put that in there. That's a country. You've dropped yes. the ball, racist banana head. Yep. They might spell faggot with one G. And so I got to go, okay, well, I got to change that. that. Or they might do two T's. You know, they'll, they'll mix it up. So That's a, lot a of piece of wood. That's a piece of wood, you guys. Yeah. And uh, I don't want people talking about wood on Stacked wood. That's a let's, joke. Let's talk about bad movies. Let's can I, can I let you, can let you know just off. the basic reason why I love bad movies? Yes. Because I get so much joy... Out of uh, when when it's obvious that filmmakers have tried to make something great, yes. and they are serious. They they really have tried hard to make a film that they're proud of, and they failed dramatically. There's kind of nothing more fun than enjoying someone else's failure when you know it hasn't ruined their life. Right, right. Well, I, I, how could it have? ruined their life but um but there's but the the joy of essentially you're like you tried really hard but this didn't go yeah okay yeah. what's an example of such a film showgirls showgirls, showgirls. is a prime example of what was of, i thought it was supposed to be bad no, no. showgirls is a and i here i might okay. get some i might get some details wrong as far as i remember it was directed by paul verhoven very serious director written by joe esterhaz a uh, an extraordinarily uh, well paid, let's just say, probably the most overpaid, overhyped writer in Hollywood, especially when Showgirls came out. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and what so, is Showgirls? Is Showgirls it about, is, it is a, strip- a drama. It's a drama about <laughs> dancers in okay. Vegas. They are showgirls, if you right. will. Vegas dancers, and it's specifically about you know this one girl who. I think she hitchhikes Falls. her way to town, and she comes in, and things just go wrong, and she has to she has to overcome the how obstacles. Could, how could you think that wasn't going to be melodrama? It's very melodramatic. It's also a big budget film, and that's another reason. That's another. That's another reason. That that's a criteria. To, to it. It, well, it doesn't have to be. No, plenty of my favorite, you know, are are not. Films, although they're almost no budget whatsoever. But I love the idea. Of a big budget failure oh, sure. because a lot of people were thought to themselves, "Oh, this is going to be huge." Yeah, you got you got a, you got a, a top you got a very expensive writer and director, mm-hmm. and they've pitched to a huge studio, and yeah. it's gone through all these executives, and they're like, "Yeah, this is going to be a big this big is movie." The one. And then everybody fails. There's a commentary on the special edition of, uh, <laughs> uh, of Showgirls, which is of there? course we have. This is Showgirls is also my wife's favorite movie. Okay, so I married the right woman. My wife Kim Evie, very beautiful. Uh, thank you. She she is, um, uh, which is why I married her. Right. Um, <laughs> no, but, but she she loves Showgirls. Yep. And uh, I remember I saw it for the first time when we started dating, which mm-hmm. was uh, 16 years ago, I believe, 17 years ago. Sure. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it it was a remarkable experience uh, to to see it and enjoy it for the first time. I, I I recommend always watching bad movies with friends. Okay, much more fun than watching them alone. Right. Well, for sure. You could, but, if you're a drinker, you make drinking games out of them. Showgirls to uh, have a drink every time you see tits on the screen because they're it's super booby. 
Is oh, super, sure. Well, oh, of course. Why wouldn't it be? D- Vegas dancers. Yeah, it's it's way overly booby. See, here's the thing. Here's where I here's where I must query. Yeah. Here's my query on the showgirls and the fact that they thought that they were making. <laughs> they, what, did they think that they were making? What movie is great about showgirls? I mean, what movie did they think they were making? I think that they were making a movie kind of like... Uh uh, like the Godfather, Flash Dance, or something like what's the one about the the, the high school, Dan- the high oh, school footloose? that's a performer? Yeah, or foot- oh, or Fame, Fame. I think that they were making something kind of along the lines of Fame, of all about the struggle and, and creative freedom, and you a know, chorus, yeah, and like you're really rooting for the for the protagonist, and and all these things get in their way, and I'm they have to overcome. I'm always confused by fame and a chorus line as well, because that's because uh, I don't always get things. But uh, here's the thing <laughs> about, um, about uh, like a chorus line yeah. was melodrama as well. Critically acclaimed, though. People love it, love a chorus line. And uh, I was always like, because I'm a comic, I always thought, yeah, yeah. Shit's going to happen. It's not going to work out. Mm. Anyway, keep going. And so, but with Vegas Showgirls. Yeah. So, so you have. Are there famous people in this movie? Yeah. Well, the, the, the lead actress, cast? whose name I can't remember right now, right. but I'm sure that your listeners will tell you. They might. She uh, was known uh, from the cast of, uh, oh, that kid's high school show. Uh, uh, high School Musical? Oh, can't remember now. Was it Zach Efron? That's, that's what we. That's what we with have. Coconuts. That's what we have with this. There's going to be a lot dolls. of that. Yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, there might head be of, a lot of that. head of the class. No, that's not it. It's uh. Yeah, so it's that you know that high school show okay. uh, for high school kids. You know. Yeah, so she was on that, and she played apparently a very squeaky clean character, and she wanted to branch out and, and stretch. Oh, she wanted to be a uh, be considered a real adult, probably. Yeah, yeah, and she wanted to do something that was sexy, and it's kind of like when Miley Cyrus went from being little Disney girl, and she wanted to be all sexy. Harry Potter dropped trial on on Broadway. Absolutely. I remember it. Uh, I remember who, it. Who hasn't? And uh, <laughs> um, drop trail on Broadway. <laughs> exactly. I just mean the street. Just the street. And just because you had to pee. <laughs> so, uh, so showgirls. Yeah. It's a, uh, let's get into the nitty gritty. It's an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half movie. It's, I, you know, most of these are about around an hour and a half. Right. That's where they, they, the clock in around. Yeah. And, uh, and the music was. The, it's not a musical. It isn't. No, there is music in it. And Kyle McLaughlin is in it. And there's something that's sort of musical about him. Yeah. Yeah. You know old Kyle Mc- Kyle McLaughlin, you know from Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, yeah, he's terrific. He gets a uh, he gets a lap dance and okay. he jizzes in his pants in the movie, which is that's just, just good, wonderful. That's just good writing. Uh, they, <laughs> I mean, how, how do they do it? Here you how go, Joe Estrahaz. Here's your seven million dollars <laughs> or whatever they paid you for writing that right. script. So this is the drama. Do you ever think to yourself? And sometimes I do when I think about bad movies, like a Showgirls kind of movie. Yeah, that there is essentially Estrahaz. Let me guess. Forty-five-year-old white guy, probably. Uh, when he wrote this, the, yeah, the yeah. this movie, yeah, yeah, thinking to himself, you know what's a compelling story is when super beautiful, topless women are just fighting for their lives. Yeah, she just wants to dance. She just <laughs> that I think, uh, and then the people who gave him the money for this movie. Might have all been a bunch of other 45-year-old white guys. Yeah, definitely. You know, now that I think about it, and I never really compared this, but 
it's sort of an All About Eve story. And it's funny I didn't think about that before because All About Eve is one of my favorite classic films. All About Eve, which I have seen but cannot remember the plot of. Ah, yeah, All About Eve, uh, Betty Davis and, Betty uh, Davis. And, uh, and, and other people. Wait, that isn't about the sisters with no? the chair, with the no. stairs? No, no. Okay. I think you're thinking of a, oh, what, whatever happened to Baby Jane. Yep. Is that right? That's what I'm I think thinking. That's of. what you're thinking. That's of. what I'm thinking. Of. Uh, no, all about Eve is the story of uh, of success and a young woman who's not successful who wants that success and does what she needs to do to grab it. And that's basically what happens in Showgirls. Right. Uh, but it is not executed with the same joie de vie. No. Possibly. Well, no, as it's all about Eve. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not not quite. <laughs> all about Eve, really. Uh, for for those of you who've not seen it, one of the greatest scripts of all time. That that script is phenomenal and there are so many amazing lines that of come dialogue from, in that We you know, own that movie. Oh, I will be watching that movie again. You need to watch it again. It's worth watching every couple of years if you want. It's that good. We might have to do this is a great uh, task mm. of the following hour of this of this podcast is where we name the terrible movie. Yeah. And then we try to find the movie that they thought that they were making. <laughs> that's that's a great idea. That's a great, that will be a challenge because I haven't thought that through at all. But it's, it's kind of fun that you found all about Eve in this conversation. Now I feel like we're on a game show. Well, now there's well there's certainly a game mechanic going on. And I'm, I'm getting uh, points already. You're gonna win. You're gonna win big. But no, Showgirls is a delightful movie. Uh, with one caveat, you have to skip the violent rape scene. Uh, there, since it is a drama, there is a violent rape scene in the movie. Sure, and it's not funny. <laughs> In the least, and you just need to skip it. Um, besides that, the movie is so. Do you have time filled. code? No. Uh, <laughs> it's you know it's probably a good hour into the movie. It's probably in the third act. Okay. You know because usually at the end of the second act, it's you you hit the low point and the characters like they they don't know where the hell to go and what the hell's happening with their lives. So and, let's rape somebody. And then they get That'll raped. Happen sometimes. <laughs> and, then, and then you Did move you, on. You remember that movie? Um, you will. Uh, John Travolta. White suit dancing. Yeah, Saturday you're, you're night talking fe- about Saturday Night Fever. Saturday, Saturday, night, night, Saturday night Fever. Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever is a great movie, and it's so misogynistic. It is ridiculously misogynistic. Gang rape scene. Never saw it when it first came out. They rape her on the Brooklyn Bridge on the, uh, and so um, I saw it in a wacky kind of. Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of way. Like, oh, they're like, we're going to show this. I brought my nephew. He was 11. Let's have some fun. Let's have and some fun. And then the first scene is like, hey, you just give me a blowjob. Just do it. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it's an amazing film. I think it's actually a very good drama. And then it has a little bit of dancing in it. Very yeah. nice. And uh, the soundtrack is lovely. If you like disco. Oh, I don't remember the soundtrack. Well, here's what happened. <laughs> it spawned... The most ad- popular soundtrack of all time, I think. <laughs> Pretty close. Yeah. And so... But I did not know. Like, I thought it was... It, everyone said that it was this amazing... And there was always jokes about it and it's everything. It's a funny little dancing it's movie. A funny it's a little... not. So not. No. It is a tale as old as time. And yeah. that tale uh, needs to be... Uh, I don't know. Warned. You should warn people. Yeah. Because the tale you're talking about... <laughs> Is that of violence and rape. Yeah. And uh, so sad, too bad. So um, <laughs> it's okay. My nephew's an old soul. Yeah. So um, he's in his 30s. He's fine. Uh, so that was, but that was what I was thinking. So, uh, okay. So if to, people see Showgirls, yes. see it in a group. Oh, absolutely. If you're drinkers, make a drinking game out of it. Because what uh, you like 
is how ridiculous it is. It, it is so ridiculous. As long as your group is not afraid of a bunch of boobs, uh, <laughs> then then go ahead and, and see they that movie. They will not bite. I you promise. Know, Showgirl, Showgirls is probably my favorite terrible movie. Uh, it, although there are some very, very close seconds. And they are nothing like Showgirls. They are separate but equal, possibly. Yes. What's the next one you could think of? Uh, going to the like uh, diametrically uh, opposed, you know, the opposite yeah. of of this film, I would pick Manos: The Hands of Fate, which is a 1966 film, which was made in El Paso, written, directed, produced by, and starring a fertilizer salesman. Some details that I, I you know, you, when you see the movie, you have to you have to research it to find out what the fuck is this and how was it made, right? It is a no-budget piece of garbage that is so, so horrible. It's hilarious. Fascinating yeah, to you. Th- there, there, are, there are plenty of horrible movies right. that are not hilarious. Right. You know, sometimes, sometimes people will recommend, like, Samurai Cop. And I'll watch Samurai Cop, and I've seen it, you know, and it's horrible. But to me, not hilarious. Right. It's just horrible. has some funny things. And you go like, wow, yeah, this is really bad. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Monos, The Hands of Fate is downright hilarious. 1966. 1966 a film. Fertilizer made salesman. for I don't know, maybe they spent 10 grand on it as opposed to however many millions or tens of millions they spent on Showgirls. And how did you find this movie? Well, it what happened it there? languished in obscurity for years until Mystery Science Theater 3000 pulled it out and said, "Hey, look uh-huh. at this." Now, I, I'm I, you know, I know a lot of people are huge fans of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I like it, but frankly, I like to see the bad movies without the commentary. Uh, I have had to let uh, both Frank Conniff and Mary Jo Peel, who I'm friends with, uh, know that I don't like people talking during movies. Anyway, uh, yeah. people love Mystery Science Theater 3000. Well, here's the thing: I, I, for bad movies, it's important to talk during the movie. <laughs> but yeah. you want to be, you want to live in the moment. You don't necessarily yeah. want to hear the. I don't want to hear other people I don't know talking about the movie. Well, I want enough. my friends to talk about the movie well, do in the room where I'm sitting. So, do you love the fact that Mystery Science Theater offers you these awesome movies? Yes, there there have been so many. It's discoveries that have resurfaced absolutely <laughs> and, and it's and it's a way to to just to let those those films resurface and and come out again and now and those two i consider uh friends of mine those two uh peoples excellent and excellent peoples they're excellent peoples uh i would sit in any room mm-hmm. and have frank conniff and mary Jo peel riff uh at anything that would be uh, fine to be in the room with them exactly i, I would much prefer that than, uh, than, than to actually watch the show. No pe- offense to people who love Mystery Science Theater 3000. At all, at all. And what I do know is that uh, they watch that movie, they watch the movie dozens of times. Yes. And find the perfect place to put the line so that it's not over-dialogue too much. Absolutely. And this type of thing. So good for them. But uh, so that's where you that's where you heard about the movie. And you're like, oh, I need to see the, this movie that, myself. That is not where I heard about the no. movie. But researching it, I found out that that's how that movie was rescued. Because it was not available anywhere until oh, they found somehow it. found it. So thanks to them, thanks to Mystery Science Theater, you know they they have uh, they've pulled it back out, and and it is uh, it, it's so ridiculously bad. And all of the audio, <laughs> all of the dialogue has been dubbed over very poorly. Uh, so when you watch the movie, the audio, uh, you know, the, the dialogue is clear and understandable. It just doesn't really match people's <laughs> mouths very well, which is already that's funny. Right. And then one of my favorite things about it is the soundtrack 
is this random, out-of-place, really dated jazz music from the, from the 60s. Just, huh. just this, it's completely, it does not match the picture at all. Hands of Fate sounds like a Western. Well, the funny thing is, Manos, Hands of Fate. Ma- Manos, the Hands of Fate. Manos, apparently in Spanish, means hands. Wait. So the movie no, is no. Hands. The Hands the of hands Fate. The Hands of Fate. <laughs> yes. Which is, what? which is great. I don't that know if that's correct. That is kind of awesome. I think that is correct. I think it is hands, though. I think that's the big deal. <laughs> so this, this guy who, this fertilizer salesman who made this movie, from the way that I understand it, he made it on a dare. Like, I'm going to make a movie, you guys. You can't make a movie. Oh, yeah? I'll show you. And he puts to, he wrote, he wrote and direct this, this and piece hired- of garbage, which is not, it's not told in a way that, that, you know, Hollywood, you know, feature films are normally told the storytelling it does not nothing makes sense it, <laughs> what, what it's How? not particularly linear the shots don't make sense he oh. it's it's it, you know it's shot you know directed by this guy who maybe he thinks he's seen movies and he thinks he knows what they are we've all seen movies why couldn't we direct one You've got reaction shots in this movie from characters, who, but you don't see what they're reacting to. Oh my God. And you've got these crazy jump cuts. You know, there'll be a fight scene, and then all of a sudden someone's lying down on the ground, and, but it's the same shot. Right. And it just, th- nothing makes sense. Right. And you've got performances. Oh, my God. The performances, Jackie. The acting. Oh, it's delightful. It is so delightfully bad. Uh-huh. I mean, Showgirls has horrible, over-the-top, melodramatic performances. Right, right. But it also has Kyle MacLachlan, who's, you know, right. perfectly respectable as an actor. Sure. And others. And this, others. This film does not. There's nobody... Nobody's good in this movie. Nobody... Oh, my God. And not only that, but you can tell that they all know they're in a bad movie because they're being directed to do things that make no sense whatsoever. Right. But yet they have to follow what the director says. Right. Now, from- a tomato would never sit down. Yes, a tomato oh. would never sit down. Tootsie, thank you very Tootsie, much. Tootsie, that's it. An- I did a, a, a night of vegetables. Uh, so, <laughs> it's a tour you were a tomato. <laughs> it's a tour de force. Anyway, so everybody's by, bad. By, by the way, a story about that scene from yeah. Tootsie. Uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, uh, what's the director name? Sydney. Uh, uh, right. Uh huh. So they uh, did not get along. <laughs> They did not get along. Oh, really? Uh, and and apparently their relationship was a yelling relationship. And so uh, it was Dustin Hoffman's idea to go ahead and uh, have the director do that part. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. Sidney Sydney Pollack. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Sidney Pollack. Well so, played. Yeah. So he uh, yeah. So he did play that that part, and so they, he got to yell at Dustin Hoffman in that in that scene. Oh, they got that to yell at each great. other. Yeah, but they did Cathartic. not. They did not uh, do much speaking to each other on that set. Apparently. Wow. Well, he, he, he really stuck the landing, Sidney Pollock, in that role then. And you know what else I find disappointing is that I found out that, uh, uh, that Harold Ramis and, uh, and Bill Murray's relationship fell apart when they were shooting Groundhog Day, which is another one of my favorite comedies. Oh, that's and great. That's a great movie. A beautiful movie. And they, uh, it ruined their relationship. And they apparently just hated each other while they were shooting it. Oh, and they wow. And were, they were lifelong friends at that point. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, here's what I've always thought about lifelong friends. Yes, ma'am. Uh, there's not enough money in the world to break that. So, yeah. uh, uh, calm down. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. It's, uh, and, ho- and Hollywood when I say is. that I've never been offered $10 million to lose a friendship, but I'd like to think that I wouldn't take it. 
I, I will give you $10 million right now to lose your best friend. To lose Maria Bamford as my best friend? Is she your best friend? Uh, I think so. I'll yeah. give you $10 million bucks if you push her off this boat. Nope. <laughs> Good. Not happening. Good. She's one of my favorite look, comments, so I'm, look, I'm glad. Look, you I did. rose to the occasion, you guys. I'm really glad you did. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Also because so, I don't know where I would get the $10 million. Right. And Maria would write me a check for 11 What? Oh, yeah. Oh, bidding war. <laughs> bidding war. I, can I just say it, it, it was a dream come true for me, not only to have uh, you on my show here on the, on the cruise ship, right. but to have Maria on my morning show. That uh, the, Very fun. Uh, it's, I always want to say Yeshmin. No, it's Yeshman. It's Yeshman. Yeah. Are you a Yeshman? Is am, that what it's? Am I a Yeshman? A yes man. Oh, a yes man. No, that's what, no, and neither is Yeshman. Yeah, neither is Yeshman. He is the opposite. Yeshman's morning show is uh, is hilarious and weird, and I bet people could see some of it. Yeah, not on the Mediocre Films channel, but on YouTube.com slash Yeshman, Y-E-S-H-M-I-N. <laughs> Why he, wouldn't they? He's got his own channel, and uh, last year's morning shows are on mm-hmm. there, including your episode from last year. Yep. And uh, within the next couple of months, all of the episodes from uh, from this from show this will, will be up there. All right. I'll, I'll start uploading them actually very soon. So what what is the plot of Manos of Hands, the Hands of Fate? What is the plot? It, it is about uh, it is about a, a man and wife. And by the way, the uh, you know the, the writer of the film, <clears throat> director he uh, he's the man, he's the husband, mm-hmm. and and he is oh hell, he looks like he's about fifty five, fifty five or sixty, and he has cast a young beautiful woman as his wife. Why would he? So, so they look like father and daughter. Mm. It's weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. And uh, lovely, lovely redhead young woman, and uh, she probably is half his age or less. Right, early twenties. Yeah, and so you know they're driving, and they and they basically get lost, and they come upon this. Uh, they they drive past a, a couple who are making out in a, in a convertible thunderbird or something and, and that couple says why where are those people going no that red road doesn't lead anywhere <laughs> it's just terrible dialogue and then they start macking again yeah yep, and, sure. and in fact they're macking that night and then you see them again the next morning they're still parked and macking <laughs> what? Yeah. 12 hours later yeah <laughs> like I, again nothing in the movie makes sense it's like do you have any chapstick <laughs> <laughs> yeah so basically, uh, the the couple and their young daughter—they have about a seven-year-old daughter who I think is dubbed by a woman, not <laughs> not a little girl, which is very strange. <laughs> mommy, mommy, help! You know they. Oh, oh. it's weird. Uh, it's possible that it's a little girl. <laughs> Sounds like a woman doing a little girl's voice, which is so great. So they ended up uh, getting stranded and and finding uh, a, a house which is either a house or something like a hotel or something. And there is a weird caretaker there named Tor- Torgo. Torgo okay. is his name, and he is oddly disabled. He shakes and he has this big weird demonic looking staff, and he's uh, and he can barely walk, and the the husband, who is mean to everyone for no reason, including his wife and including this guy, this caretaker Torgo, yep. who he's never met, says, we need a place to stay. Get my bags and bring them in. And the man is disabled. Mm-hmm. So he slowly wobbles over to the car and he picks up these bags, these heavy bags, while this weird jazz music goes. It's, I'm telling you, it is the craziest. It makes no sense. Oh, but of course, Torgo has said... You can't stay because the master would not approve. Well, we're staying. 
Okay, you can stay. I'm, but wow. the master not approve. Then you find out the master, it's this demonic thing, and he's got all these wives, and oh, it's just the, the, the plot gets convoluted. Here's the thing about bad movies, and um, Manos, the Hands of Fate is, is no uh, exception. <laughs> Usually the first 30 minutes are the most fun. Okay. After that, sometimes you, you lose interest a little bit. With Manos, the first 30 minutes... Or 40 or 45. Yeah. Are brilliant. And it sort of tapers off after that. Yeah. There's some good stuff in the second yeah. half. But uh, but for the most part, it's the setup until yeah. the demon. Uh, tell me, that does, uh, does the husband die? Listen, I don't want to ruin the end. Spoiler alert, you guys. 1966. Uh, <laughs> just to let you know. <laughs> I'm not doing it. You're not doing it. I'm not. But here's, you guys here's, are going to have to Wikipedia here's, here's, that one. Here's one detail that I will ruin. Okay. Uh, the master mm-hmm. has many wives. Yes. And they are all, quote, unquote, sexy. These are attractive young women. Right. Who are dressed in the least sexy outfit. They're in it's sort of this muslin thing that's draped over them, sort of see-through. And then as you see through it, they have on the largest underwear ever made. Interesting. Yes, just these huge. He must have got uh, like granny panty kind of granny panties and these like 1950s style pointed bras. Must have uh, got them in bulk. <laughs> That's guess. what I'm thinking. You know, I, here's the thing about a guy uh, like uh, the guy who wrote, directed, and starred in Manos: The Hands of Fate. That guy knows a guy. That guy knows a guy who gets you underwear in bulk. He he probably bartered for some fertilizer. He's a right. It was a, that's a fertilizer salesman. He knows where to get a deal on bulk underwear. Here's here's another thing. Here's probably why he got some deals. Uh, one thing that I heard about him is that he would make deals with people for the movie. He goes like, "I'll give you five percent of the movie. I'm gonna give you seven and a half percent of the movie." <laughs> and when everybody got together at the cast party, they added it up and they said, "Oh, he's we, he's sold at least three hundred percent of the movie." Wow, he that has. is a classic. That's a classic sales. <laughs> guy kind of thing to do it yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, and the movie was so bad everyone was like didn't want it didn't want the five percent no no but from what i understand uh in el paso texas where nothing else happens no, no offense if you live in el paso right but i've driven through there nothing happens in el you've paso. been there uh <laughs> and boy am i gonna get emails now from people in el paso exactly uh apparently <laughs> the uh premiere of this film mm-hmm, was a mm-hmm. big deal and uh, I don't know the mayor or whoever showed up, and they had a big, you know, the you know the, the lights. Right, right. And look what's set here, yeah, you yeah. guys. Hey, look, we the shot fertilizer this movie. sailor. Yeah, yeah. The seller uh, has got. Uh, he's going to put us on the map, right? But apparently, uh, e- even then, at the initial screening with the cast and crew mm. present. Uh, the audience just uh, howled better. with laughter. They they realized that it was just the biggest piece of shit they'd ever seen. And I I, I cannot recommend this movie more highly to people. <laughs> my ad, my ad, my ad. I'm about to do an ad. I'm Jackie Cation, and this is an ad for Stamps.com. Stamps.com is online postage demand. You can get postage on demand with Stamps.com. You print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package right from your home or office, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Whatever your computer's on. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale so you can weigh your letters and packages. You click print and mail and you're done. 
It's really good if you have a small business, just any small business that you work out of your home. And it's it's incredibly convenient. I've been using it and it's been great, actually. I'm really busy. So I've been relying on stamps.com to print out shipping labels and send out merch and it couldn't be easier. And I've worked out a special offer with stamps.com for any of my listeners that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitment. You sign up, you go to stamps.com. You click on the microphone on the top of the homepage and type in JK for Jackie Cation. Stamps.com, enter JK. Then what happens is you sign up for the monthly. It's $15.99, about $16 a month. And the first four weeks is trial. If you like it and keep it, they will charge you for that first month. But it's a great thing if you have a small business and it saves so much time. So if you want to do it, go to stamps.com and enter JK. Let's get back to the show. Do you ever see Hamlet 2? No. Hamlet I don't, 2. There, I, it, the list is always expanding. Tell always, me about Hamlet 2. Well, Hamlet 2 is really two movies. Uh, it is a movie of a sad sack high school musical teacher yeah. who um, they're going to discontinue his musical program because he's a terrible theater uh, teacher yeah. and uh, is having some trouble in, also in his personal life. The second half of the movie is about how he has written a play to save the theatrical program. And the name of that play. Can I guess? Uh-huh. As You Like It too. <laughs> Hamlet 2. Oh, okay. Oh, so close. I was very close. And uh, one, of, one of my favorite lines from uh, the second half of that movie is the greatest movie ever made. The first half of that movie is something to sit through. Uh, the second <laughs> half of that movie is Hamlet fucking too. Uh, and they said, doesn't everyone die at the end of Hamlet? And he says, and I quote, I have a device. And uh, that device, by the way, is a time machine. And Jesus. Those are his two devices that save Hamlet too. And that movie is entirely set in the, in the town of Tucson, Arizona. And um, I don't know what movie they were trying to make. Because uh, these are these are I cannot remember the name of any of the actors, but these are famous people, and very successful humans uh, have made a film that I love half of, and uh, and that's kind of okay to some extent. Like one of my brothers is also a different brother than the brother I was earlier talking about. Oh Animal my gosh, how many guy. brothers do you have? I have four brothers. Oh, that's too uh, many. Second. You're not wrong. Uh, the second of, <laughs> <laughs> second of my brothers uh, said to me. Um, one time, because he loves a bad movie, mm-hmm. but he has a theory that movies aren't bad. He said, if there's one good scene in a movie, that's a good movie. I will watch that movie. Wow. That is a low bar. That is yeah. a low, low bar. It certainly is. Uh, rivaled only by Joseph Scrimshaw. I don't know if you know Joseph Scrimshaw. Of course I do. There you go. He did an episode of The Dork Forest where he defended the prequels of Star Wars. Uh. And it was a comparable kind of... Uh, uh, defense. He was talking about how the scene with Darth Maul made the first prequel completely worthwhile to watch. <laughs> and I was like, you were 11 also. That also helps. <laughs> um, so, but um, I'm never going to see Manos, The Hands of Fate. You should oh, know that. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I know it. It's, you, you, you would enjoy it. You well, need to trust me that you would enjoy it. That, that Manos, The Hands of Fate is something I would enjoy. It is it is hysterical. It is hysterical. It's really, really funny. 
Excellent. All right. It's funny in the way that, and I don't, I didn't choose this as one of my top five, but it's kind of funny in the way that Elvis's movie Clambake is funny. Clambake, my favorite Elvis movie of all time. You got to love Elvis movies because I love he, all Elvis movies, and to imply that they are not good. Oh, uh, allow me to storm out. Uh, uh, they they are remarkable. But have you seen Clambake? I have seen Clambake. It, it, Clambake is the greatest. It's a great movie. It, it's the greatest because it's the worst. You think it is worse than the one where he's in Florida and they're squatting and he falls in love with his sister? Come on. Uh, falls in love with his sister. I can't remember what that one is. Stepsister, but sister. What was the name of that movie? Don't know. Okay. Uh, they're down in Florida. If, we don't have the internet. If only someone listening could <laughs> inform us. you. Jackie at JackieCation.com. I own most of Elvis's movies. Oh, that's great. That's because uh, I love all Elvis movies. Clambake is hilarious. You know, we could we could talk about Clambake because it, since you know it so well, mm. uh, Clambake is hilarious and wonderful from the opening shot when Elvis is driving down the highway, which is just a green screen shot of him in a convertible because yep. it's always a convertible, mm-hmm. and he's driving and his hands aren't really doing anything on the wheel, and you could tell that the director said, "Wave at someone who's on the side of the street," and he just sort of waves indiscriminately to nowhere. Uh-huh. Just not even looking at anything, and then there's a cutaway of a farmer on the side of the street, and sure. it's, it, it is it is a ridiculous opening shot. Because uh, if I remember correctly, he's going far too fast to wave at anybody. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely, it's, and they're uh, gone, the, and they're gone as, zoom, uh, that quickly. Zoom. Yeah, and uh, the, he's like the farmer would have been enormously irritated because he would have raised a dust cloud that would have drowned the farmer. Exactly. So, uh, Clambake is amazing because it uh, it's called Clambake, and the the scene in which there actually is a Clambake makes up maybe four minutes of the movie. Right. The rest of the movie, not at all about a Clambake. Nope, not but at all. But there is a song called Clambake. Clambake, gonna have a Clambake. That's it. You know, <laughs> my favorite song in that movie yeah. is the blatant ripoff of High Hopes. Do you remember that song? Hi, hopes. All right, so blatant ripoff. How's it going? It's because you gotta have confidence. A oh, little yeah. thing called confidence. confidence. Oh, oh my, my god, I do remember that. Oh, the whole everything, everything about Clambake is brilliant. Let it be known for the record yeah. that I was 11 when I loved all the Elvis movies, and it's hard to let go of that. Sure. As you grow up and you think to yourself, look how handsome he is. He, look how he look how well he sings. He is impossibly handsome. He's impossibly handsome. And with a face like that, he would never get unhandsome. I mean, he would never grow up and oh, be on a wait oh, a minute. minute. What oh, just happened? You know, he actually something something got something went horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to the the Graceland? I have never been to the Graceland. You know, they just call it Graceland. They don't call it the Graceland. It's better if you call it the Graceland no. uh, accidentally because it, it implies a gravitas. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, he's buried there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, uh, I hope he is. Well, and um, it would be a beautiful house if he had not been in charge of decorating it. Wow. And Because uh, it's just a large, it's about the size of a current McMansion. Is what it is. It's yeah. probably forty five hundred square feet, uh-huh. uh, which is too big for people who don't have servants, and um, not big enough for Elvis's for the, for for what we know of Elvis. Right. And uh, but he, it was, it's essentially it's a Hearst Castle like experience. In uh, um, it's like have you ever been to Hearst Castle? I have been to Hearst Castle. So Hearst Castle is essentially. 
he had too much money. Yes. He would travel and he would see things and say, can I have that? And they'd say, this is a church from the 1200s. We were going to keep our pews. Nah, and ship then, them to me. Ship them to me. Here's some money. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, okay. All right. We'll get <laughs> we'll, more pews. We'll get more pews. We'll just get Amazon Prime. Yeah. And uh, so, um, but that's how he decorated his home, Elvis did. He was constantly being called upon to have a zebra skin. So, yeah. and you're like, boo. <laughs> and I want that wall just to be nothing but peanut butter sandwiches. Exactly. Oh, my God. I just want one entire shelf of blenders. <laughs> and uh, stop. Okay, so. Uh, oh, goodness. To not go away from clam bake. Yeah. But to go away from clam bake, what's the next one? What else would you? Well, you know. I think that a top five horrible movie list would be incomplete without Mac and Me. Mac and Me. What is that? It's a film from the 80s around, maybe around 84, 85. It is an E.T. ripoff. It is a very blatant ripoff of E.T. the Extraterrestrial. In case you didn't know which E.T. I was talking about. (laughs) Phone home. Uh, Is Mac a... Like a robot? No, Mac is the extraterrestrial. He is the alien in this movie. Mac. Who is involved with the movie Mac and Me? Not Spielberg. No, and I don't know, and I can't do the uh, research here, so so I don't know. All I know is that it is the cheapest, cheesiest, laziest ripoff of E.T. Like, obviously, E.T. came out and they said... Oh, we have to get a movie in the theaters next month that people confuse with E.T. And, <laughs> and you feel like they wrote it and they shot it in a week or two, and then they released it a week or two later. That's what it feels like. Right. And amazingly, somehow they managed to get a bunch of money from McDonald's, apparently. Yeah. Because this fucking movie has a McDonald's commercial in the middle of it. Smack dab in the middle of it, there's a bunch of kids... Just dancing on the tables at McDonald's. Wow. And McDonald's pictured completely and fully. Oh, yeah. That's what paid for this movie. It's all about how great McDonald's is. It's right in the middle of this movie. It's the weirdest thing. Because the, the, does the alien, much like the Reese's Pieces thing, fall in love with McDonald's, kind of? I, I, I may, I, you know, honestly, it's been a, it's been a, it has been a number of years since I have seen Mac and Me, but here's what I, here's what I recall. Mac, if Mac actually is the name of the mm-hmm. of the uh, alien instead of the kid, me? <laughs> I, I would guess that Please Mac don't actually name is your the, alien me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It could be, you know, it could be from the point of view of the alien saying like, "This movie's about Mac and uh, me." That actually sounds like a better yeah. movie than yeah. uh, is happening. So, E.T. They had a nice animatronic puppet. Yep. They put some money into that. Mm-hmm. There's no money in Mac and Me, so they just had this rubber puppet. Who would just jiggle. And okay. there would be someone who would be below it or off screen. Poking. Just poking it and jiggling. <laughs> they just jiggle it a little bit. There's a scene where, oh, there's some chase scene and, and Mac is, you know, the alien is in the back of the van. And he's just jiggling all around. It's the, it's, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing. Mac and Me is another movie that I guarantee you would enjoy because it's downright funny. Yeah, you know, and uh, it sounds light enough. Was there, is there... Um is he trying to get Mac back to his home home planet? I don't remember. Fair enough. It's not even important. But I will tell you this. Have you seen when Paul Rudd goes on, and I guess it's Conan, every time he goes on and he is 
shilling his latest feature film. Sure. He uh, he says, all right, I'm going to show a clip from the movie. Mm-hmm. And he introduces the clip. And then they always end up showing a clip from Mac and Me where this disabled kid in a wheelchair rolls down a hill and flies off a cliff into some water below. No. No, yeah. I've, was that Paul Rudd? Paul Rudd, no, no, but Paul Rudd always shows that instead of a clip from his film, and I think it's when he goes on Conan, and it's very, very funny. <laughs> because it sounds like kind of a dad joke, where you're like, funny, funny, not funny, not funny, oh, funny again, Yeah, funny, not funny, not funny, not funny, funny again. It's Outstanding in our field. It's tremendously funny. The, <laughs> the, the movie, again, it's... Uh, what it has in common with Monos the Hands of Fate is that there is little to no budget. M- right. Much more of a budget than Monos the Hands of Fate. Oh, yeah. But not enough to make anything resembling a good movie. Nope. And obviously shot in such a hurry that, ah, details don't matter. Not as much. Not as much. I don't really have anything else to say about Mac and Me because it's been so many years since I've seen it. But all I remember is laughing hysterically. There's a movie called Reckless. Reckless. Daryl might, Hannah. That might be on my list. It could be. Aiden, maybe, somebody? <clears throat> I feel Quinn. like... Aiden Quinn. Might be. Uh, don't know. Let's just say it's Aiden it's, Quinn. Uh, it, it, there was a movie about wrestlers with Matthew Modine? Okay. Ma- definitely Matthew Modine. And Demi know. Moore? Yeah, for sure. Um, I have That no I idea. think Reckless was supposed to be. Oh, okay. And Reckless was the quick knockoff. Yeah, knockoff movies are really common. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're as common as they used to be, but certainly in the time of video rentals, when you could make a knockoff film and then make the VHS video box look something like the actual movie. I mean, that's exactly what they were going for with Mac and Me. Yeah. I mean, you look at the the cover, you know, the poster, it looks exactly like the E.T. poster. You know when you look up something on Netflix and they don't have it streaming, but then they suggest five other less qualified movies that are kind of like the one you want. Yeah, which often are barely like the one you want. Barely. Yeah. Barely. This is not what I was looking for, it turns out. It's uh, But I'm trying to think of, like, I'm trying to find movies that I thoroughly enjoy that follow this criteria. And I think Reckless um, was one of those movies that, if I could have sat through it, would have been that type of thing. And then Tank Girl is, I think, the one that I love the most. It's a terrible movie that I, I love Tank the most. Girl. Yeah. W- Lori Petty? Is that Lori Petty? Yep. And Damn. somebody else famous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Somebody else famous. I love that person. She's amazing. Yeah. And there was Tank Girl and Jet Girl, and they spent all of their money on the tank and the jet. (laughs) And then it's like LL Cool J plays a kangaroo man. Wow. And uh, they didn't have any money for the kangaroo outfits. So uh, there's good times there. I need, I'm, I'm adding that right now onto my phone because I need to see Tank Girl again. I'm, I'm constantly adding more bad movies and recommendations to my list. And uh, I might have uh, Who Played the Kangaroo wrong. I just remember a hip-hop artist from uh, the 80s and 90s. So uh, that's all I got going on. That's could, great. Could be Ice-T. That's great. Could be Ice Cube. We don't know. It could be Eric B. and Rakim together standing on each other's shoulders. Could, Unlikely. Could it be Kid and Play? <laughs> Might be that'd be a super tall kangaroo, you guys. You know, one movie I want to see again is House Party because that's the kid and play movie, right? Because I remember it actually being a pretty damn good movie. 
Like, I heard it was it, super fun. Yeah, like it's a really fun movie. Yeah. I, I don't know if it would still hold up today. Right. But at the time when it came out, I was so surprised at how delightful it was. Oh, excellent. Yeah. All right. You know that we're literally, we have like 15 minutes left. And we've only covered three movies. Three films. Let's go to the next one. All right. Here's one that's very obvious, but it has to be on the list. The Room by Tommy Wiseau. I've never seen. I've never even heard of it. What is it? The oh room? Jesus! How could right. you never have heard of it? <laughs> I don't know. There's a there's a room. Have you heard of the movie The Disaster Artist that James Franco made that came out a couple of months ago? I've heard of James Franco. Oh Jesus! Yes, he was nominated. Maybe even won something at, a, at the Golden Globes. He's I, one of these guys that does a lot of sit ups, right? And then he's, he's James Franco. Yeah. I think he probably does some sit-ups. He's one of the sit-up actor might do, guys, Might right? do an occasional pull-up. Right. There's a, there seems to be... It's like a, a poor man's Ryan Gosling in my head. Yeah. Am I wrong? Let's, yeah, sure. Let's go with okay. that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, so, uh, the, Ryan, the by the way, artist. you got to be the rich man in that analogy. Right. So The Room is a very well-known, uh, horrible movie that was made, I don't know, around 99 or something. I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, but it, it was such... Is it scary? No. It sounds It is a it is a it is a drama. It is a very serious drama oh. about angst <laughs> and relationships and suicide. Oh, it, for it, against. it ends with a suicide. Sorry for the spoiler, spoiler folks. alert. <laughs> it's um is written and directed by a maniac named Tommy Wiseau who somehow is this millionaire Nobody knows. He's he's an enigma because he's famous for this movie, but he's also famous for the fact that no one knows where he's actually from. He has uh, an accent that you can't place, which sounds like it could be. How do you hun- spell Wizzo? Wizzo, W-I-S-E-A-U, I believe. Well, Kaniki, looks like you got a lot to offer a girl, <laughs> uh, which is Rizzo. Uh, uh, so. Yeah. Um, so it's he, a drama. He's a, he's a maniac, and he spent four million dollars on this movie. Who knows where he he gets his money? That's the other mystery about him. No one knows where he's from or where he gets his money. Okay. Um, but yeah, Tommy Wiseau made uh, a horrible movie with unknown actors starring himself. He wrote and directed it himself. Oh, I see a pattern. This yeah. is the room, nineteen ninety nine ish. Yeah, something like that. And when he made it. He not only put all the money into the movie, but he also put a bunch of money into putting a billboard up on, I believe it was Highland Avenue in, or La Brea in Los Angeles, uh, that just was a black and white poster with his uh, disturbingly horrible face uh, that says, uh, The Room, uh, for private screenings, call this number. And it was a number that apparently, if you called it, he would answer, Oh my God. And he would set up a screening for you. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> word got out about how horrible this movie was, and it became a midnight movie phenomenon in okay. the vein of Rocky Horror, where people of would course. go and they would yell at the screen, and it would be, you know, a mystery science theater type thing where people had their lines and they knew exactly when to say them. Yep. And uh, the thing that so I would it was always... was a triumph of bad movies yes. is what it really was. Oh, it, it was an absolute triumph, and it, and it, and it went from being a dramatic failure... When he had its premiere, because it did have a premiere. Okay. Failed dramatically. Sure. No one was interested in this movie. To uh, actually a great success, and and probably by this point with all of its DVD sales and and screenings all over the place, uh, it's probably made money. 
kind of like Showgirls, maybe. Because Showgirls Show, is super popular Showgirls for being may, terrible. Yeah, I mean, that costs so much money. I can't imagine that Showgirls has made Ever its money got back. Ever it, got its money back? But if the room costs $4 million, which is what it's been rumored to have cost, then mm-hmm. I imagine it's made its $4 million back. Fair and, enough. And more. Uh, uh, the billboard thing yeah. reminds me of a very mediocre not mediocre films. I'm, by the way, talking to Greg Benson of hey, At Mediocre Films. That's me. That's you. And uh, so there was Do a you movie- say that just in case people skip like 40 minutes into the podcast Maybe. and then start it? You, uh, plus, I'm doing ads now. Okay, got and, it. And uh, poor Rangers are just like, because I'm supposed to keep them, they have to be at least 30 seconds. <clears throat> but but there's so many talking points sometimes with the ad copy. I'm yeah. like, it's just going to be two minutes. We and do that on I, purpose. I, I try to make it into one minute, uh, but it's hard to talk, get all the talking points, and they've given me a free protein bar. So you got to talk it up, right? <laughs> anyway, so, but the movie that that reminds me of is a little known, very mediocre. Who was in John Cryer? That's who I'm thinking of. Who was in John Cryer? Who was in John Cryer? I don't Cryer? know who's been in John Cryer. <laughs> I hope that that other guy, uh, Martin Sheen's son, uh, Charlie Sheen, yeah. uh, has not been in John Cryer. I certainly Because I've not. always enjoyed John Cryer, but I liked him from this movie when he played a 16-year-old photography student mm-hmm. in a movie called No Small Affair. Oh, I've never seen No Small Demi Affair. Demi Moore. Again, Demi Moore, you guys. Good old Demi Moore. Pre-boob job. Um, oh, not interested. In Well, I think <laughs> she got it in the middle of the movie. Oh, good. Yeah, shrewd move. Uh, uh, <laughs> so Demi Moore, John Cryer... Um, he has a crush on her. He puts her phone number and picture up on billboards all over whatever probably mid-sized uh, factory town that yeah. they were supposed to be set in. And um, and then she got a lot of gross phone calls because she was just a pretty picture of a girl with a phone number and no other information. Is that what Mr. Wizzo was doing? He was really just trying to promote his own movie. I mean, the, the guy. So he, did he have the name of the movie? Or oh, yeah. was it just a picture of his oh, face? Oh, his face and the movie in it. And oh, there we know, go. And whatever the tagline was, let's okay. just say the tagline was a very serious drama. <laughs> the room. The room. What was in the room? What was the room about? Just a bunch of people. The Room is another movie that doesn't make a lick of sense, mm-hmm. and it has all these plots that start and they don't go anywhere, these subplots. Yeah. And uh, it's just about this this uh, angst-filled relationship between the character that Tommy Wiseau plays and his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. literally rips the line, you're tearing me apart. He, 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 oh. he says the famous line, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. He has the word Lisa at the end uh, <laughs> to make excellent. it different. Has he ever thought about screaming at the sky? The he, word no? He, he definitely does do some screaming at the sky in this. <sighs> oh, my God. And he throws a football around, and the guy doesn't know how to throw a football. It's uh, it's delightful in every way. But this is also <laughs> a movie I highly recommend. You you just go to one of those midnight screenings and see with the audience. Right. Because it's a community experience at this point. It also has a lot of uh, shots of a strange picture of spoons, which is in the room. There's a picture of spoons. So people bring plastic spoons to the mm-hmm. screening. Mm-hmm. And whenever you see spoons on the screen, you throw spoons <laughs> at the screen, which is, which is a lot of fun. It does sound exactly like a community experience. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great um, movie. It's even fun just to watch on DVD with, with friends. With uh, friends. But it's, yeah, it, it is a tremendous experience. Uh, and, and it has such a horrible and disturbing sex scene in it. 
Uh, it's just gross. Yeah. Because, he, frankly, he's a gross guy. Yeah. And the woman that he has the sex scene with, mm-hmm. is she's, you know, n- nothing nothing special. Mm-hmm. And so they uh, they have a really gross sex scene together. Right. It's and not attractive people no, making sweet, no. sweet love. Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. And that, okay. and that comes about 10 or 15 minutes into the movie. And then it's repeated again about 20 minutes later. The same scene. Wait, well, they didn't reshoot it? Nope. Same scene, same shots. Shot they just, for shot. They just repeat it. Later in the film, it is the weirdest thing. And that is the point. He might have just been psyched with how he looked on that scene. Could be. That's the point in the movie when you see the sex scene for the second time. Yeah. At the midnight screening. That's the point when the entire audience gets up and walks out and goes to the concession stand. <laughs> Like, every single person gets up and walks out. Oh, my God. As sort of a, yes, that is also a statement. There's no reason to sit through that twice. Twice. It's hard enough to sit through it once. Wow. It's a, it's the perfect time for your bathroom break. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. And then, okay, so I'm going to skip to the last movie. Okay. That I Please picked. do, because we're here, here we are. Yeah, Let's and, do it. and I have very little to say about it, because there's already so much that's said about this movie. But it's really tr- been covered. Troll 2 has to go on the list. Troll 2? Troll 2 is in my top five. It's uh, it, you have it, a toddler. Uh, is this when did Troll Two come out? Oh, oh wait, jeez, when I'm did thinking Troll of Trolls. No, an no, 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 show. no, 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 not the animated. No, no, there's no S on this. <laughs> tro- no, it's one Troll. Troll Troll is a film that was made. I don't know when they were made. Early '80s, and then maybe Troll Two came out mid '80s. I would guess uh, it's mid '80s. It's a strange thing. It's about goblins who uh, eat people. Really, there are no trolls in the movie Troll no. Two. No, and it has it is a film that has the worst special effects of all time. Now I don't feel I it's need to say trolls, but it's a troll. It's called Troll Two. Two is the sequel to Troll. The movie Troll is also awful, but okay. troll, <laughs> there's something very special about Troll Two. Okay, all the pieces came together to make it an absolute atrocity. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, and troll, it's about goblins, not trolls. That's correct. And uh, and there is there is a documentary out about it called Best Worst Movie. Where you can find out an awful lot about Troll 2, which is why I feel I don't need to say too, too much, much about it, because it's also worth watching the movie Best Worst Movie. Right. And these are... These sound like terrible movies. You're not oh, wrong. No, these are these are all horrible movies. And they're all very different. Right. They're different genres. Mm-hmm. Different... Almost... Yeah, because Showgirls... When did that come out? That was in the 2000s. Oh, I would say that was in the 90s. Oh, you think 90s as well? I think it was in the 90s, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was probably in the But this, uh, this has spanned decades, this, uh, this list. Absolutely. And, and we didn't even go back to you know, the Ed Wood movies, you know, the, the famous Ed Wood m- m- movies like uh, Plan, Plan 9 from Nine. Outer Space and, and Glenn or Glenda. I mean, these are wonderful, bad movies. And mm-hmm, then there's mm-hmm. even you go back further to the 30s and a movie like Reefer Madness is hilarious. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's... it's, it's not all hilarious. That's why it didn't make my my top. But you know, that's the that's the earliest terrible movie. And I'd say sure. that the, the first time I ever saw a movie and realized that I was enjoying a really bad campy movie, yeah, was in the early '80s when I saw Mommy Dearest. Mommy okay, Dearest, uh, another great melodramatic. Yes. Drama. V- oh, oh, Faye Dunaway mm-hmm. is so over the top as Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. It, it, she is ridiculous. And for a while, they were giving that the uh, the Rocky Horror treatment where people would go to the theater with wire hangers. Right, because there was a wire hanger scene. Yeah. I've never seen it myself. Oh, it's kind of delightful. Okay. 
Yeah, she's way over the top. Right. It's it's crazy. That is crazy. It's a crazy movie. Uh, yeah, but there's uh, th- there have been so many movies through the decades that, <laughs> that deserve to be on this list, but I had to narrow it. You said narrow it down to five. I did say narrow because I knew. Here's the thing about uh, when people have a list of movies. Yeah. Or books yeah. or anything. It's usually five. And because it, then it, for some reason, that works out yeah. for one hour of The Dork Forest. And we've probably just talked for an hour, haven't we? Uh, we're at 59 minutes and 35 seconds. Jeez. I love the silence right there. Oh, I've ran out of things to say. It's a real clock eater, that silence. <laughs> uh, Greg Benson, you guys, uh, YouTube.com slash mediocre films has a lot of funny films that are funny. And then Thank you. Yeshman has his own uh, YouTube channel entirely. YouTube.com slash Yeshman, Y-E-S-H-M-I-N. And that is where you will see Yeshman interview the one and the only Jackie Cation. Thank you very much uh, for plugging me on my own show, Greg Benson. <laughs> Thank you for doing the show. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?